Hello and welcome to Talking Heads today. Evan and I will be talking to Scott Johnson of Google. Welcome to Talking Heads. Evan, where are you today? I am in sunny Orlando for HIMSS, the Global Healthcare Conference. And I'm, uh, you know, my first uh, session in Orlando before Enterprise Connect, which will also be in Orlando. Excellent. So I'll see you at Enterprise Connect in Orlando. You know, Orlando is not a exciting town as far as food goes, but, you know, we travel a lot. And I'm wondering if there's any particular, like, like when I come to see you, for example, in Boston, I always make an effort to get a bowl of clam chowder. Chowder. Tell, tell me a little bit about your travels from a, uh, from a culinary point of view. Is there any particular foods you look forward to in your travel? Well, I, I, I like to go local. So I, I try to find, you know, what's the local dish and, and really go all in on that local dish. So, for example, alligator. You're in Orlando. Delicious, fried, grilled, barbecued, glazed, perfect for uh, the, the mid-Florida section of the world. But when we were in Dubai, we were really into, um, you know, all the, the local Middle Eastern uh, uh, Arabian foods. So, you know, go local. That's always the best. Yeah, that was pretty good food in Dubai, wasn't it? That, uh, Leban- Lebanese food. It was Lebanese- we had a lot of good Lebanese food. But what, mostly what we did in Dubai, as I recall, was the shisha um, the hookah, the hookah, the, hookah, the shisha. Uh, you know, we did. Uh, I was in Monaco, as you know, uh, and uh, we went out for shisha in Monaco. And uh, I was with uh, Ziz Caravala and uh, his wife uh, Christine, and, and we did that in, in Dubai. So we decided to do it in Monaco. Do you know what a cost for a uh, the, the the cheapest hookah pipe was for a, an hour in a restaurant? Three dollars and ninety nine cents, over a hundred euro. <laughs> well, it's uh, Monaco isn't for the faint of heart when it comes to wallets, spending, cash. You know there is a reason they have the Grand Casino there. So you know, you know, it, it was this terrible feeling. I'm walking around Monaco. It's just beautiful place. It's it's got this incredible history, and and I real had this realization that there's nobody here, there's nobody poor here, and then and then and then it hit me. I'm it. <laughs> the key thing you got to do in, in Monaco is go and see the Grand Prix, the, the Monaco, the great great race that they have there. Well, they, they had a retro race. They were bringing out uh, all these old cars from the 60s, the race cars from the old, the old race. And I think that was even funner. To, and there were some really beautiful old, old cars there that, you know, with race numbers on them. And, yeah, I did, I did retrace the route of the Grand Prix one year, but it, uh, it was in a Ford Fiesta, so it wasn't quite... <laughs> This thrilling <laughs> as, uh, as as these incredible machines, but uh, I got a bit of a feel for it about a hundred kilometers an hour. So, Evan, let's go ahead and start our hangout with Scott Johnson. Uh, Scott's the director of product management at Google. Uh, Evan, you probably know him as Happy in Water. Actually, that's his Twitter handle. So, so Scott, uh, first question for you is. Who's your boss this week? Uh, I know that Diane Green was on her way out, and I think. Uh, um, uh, TK is on his way in. Where, where are we in that? You know, we're, we're just partially through the transition, uh, the, uh, which started uh, last year, end of year in 2018. Um, TK's ramping up. You know, it's a, obviously a, a massive um, 
surface area to to get up to speed on from you know cloud to G Suite, uh, and so they're working through that. Uh, but I, I'd say right now TK is is fully you know on board, and it's uh, Diane is uh, helping him on the side. Let's get into G Suite 2019. You know, I think most people think of G Suite, they think of Gmail, obviously, they think of the docs and sheets and slides and contacts and the calendar, of course. Now that's to me like the core, but G Suite's really grown and we're going to get into some of your specific things around communications, but give me an idea of what you consider to be the G Suite core suite. Is, is YouTube, for example, part of G Suite or is, it, is YouTube separate? Or help, help, me, help me draw some lines around what G Suite is. You know, that's a really good question. I think, I think um, you're right. It is, uh, it is, there is a really broad footprint and that is often um, not understood. So really, if you look um, the core applications, I don't think we need to go through. Um, YouTube's not part of that, but those, you know, the, the docs, Drive, Gmail, Calendar, um, and then meetings, voice, uh, and uh, chat. Those are our, you know, core. We've got Keep in there um, for note taking. So there, uh, uh, there's uh, Cloud Search, for example, which will um, index your, you know, internal corpus and allow you to search across that. Um, so there's a number of different applications. And and as we, um, what about your what about your devices? Or do you include them amongst your sort of solution set, or that sort of Google hardware is rather a separate uh, entity? No, we definitely do. Um, it, and I think Chromebooks are, um, as Dave mentioned, Chromebooks are the the cornerstone of that. Um, but uh, you know, mobile device management is is part of G Suite, so that includes any device there. But also, Android itself has uh, specific features dedicated to enterprise, the work profile. Um, a lot of the a lot deeper management into um, the kind of controls you have over a phone. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Um, I think you'll see us uh, continue to um, invest in in uh, voice interfaces. So you can imagine things in the area of um, home, but obviously not named home. <laughs> um, so th- the whole, I think it, we think about enterprise really as a as a <clears throat> horizontal across everything um, when we when we build it. When I think of um, Microsoft, you know, I think about partners, you know, it's all about partners for them. What is your go to market and has it changed? Is it evolving? Is it the same? Is it through those, those partnerships? You know, it definitely has changed. I think um, as we, um, you know, as we, uh, as we got uh, more comfortable in the industry and, uh, and really uh, dug in, I think we learned that uh, the partners were just so key. Uh, to what we were doing. So I think, you know, we've really, we've got dual strategy in that area. Um, one is to offer, you know, as part of the the suite, offer all the core components you might need, but at the same time, recognize that we're not going to be able to do everything. Um, and uh, there's lots of solutions out there that, that are better in certain areas. And so we really do take a build and partner approach. Um, and you'll see that across the board. Um, even someone like Slack, for example, you know, we were delivering drive bots and, and things like that before we even put them in, in chat. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really embracing partners and uh, I think it's a key part of our, our business now. So you've been working pretty heavily lately on, on, uh, these new real time or, you know, communication capabilities. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Hangouts. Uh, now Hangouts, I think came out with, uh, what was it? Um, 
uh, Google Plus. Uh, I don't yep. know what year that was, quite some time ago. Yep. Uh, it was originally only available on Google Plus. It was one of the main reasons to join Google Plus, as I recall. Uh, eventually moved over to the regular G Suite, and in fact, now Google, Google Plus is going away, so it's kind of outlived its its uh, its birthright. Um, and and uh, and now we call that Hangouts Classic. Yep. Uh, as and uh, it's approaching uh, end of life here pretty soon. Um, and, and it's going to be replaced with some new apps. And this is probably what's been keeping you up uh, late at night the last uh, year or so. So, <laughs> so, so the first question is, um, you know, as these new apps come out, you seem to be blowing up Hangouts into separate apps. Uh, the, the meeting component, the chat component, and, uh, and of course, Google Talk is a separate voice component. Um, help, help us understand the logic behind the separate apps uh, isn't there kind of a trend these days to have, you know, less app switching or what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, I think that uh, it's something that, that we, we talk a lot about with folks um, really, as we saw, as you mentioned it, you know, Hangouts started out in the consumer space, which is common um, for our apps uh, as it grew then in, in usage in the enterprise. Um, we found our users wanting more and more direct access to specific user flows. Um, so when they want to make a phone call, they want to go into the, the voice app when they want to, you know, reply to a, a, a message, they want to drop into the chat app and same goes for meetings and meetings in particular, you know, it's just such a core part of business that every day that you want one tap access to that. And so you don't want to have to flip through a bunch of different tabs or, or panes um, to get into it on the mobile, mobile UI. The UI itself in the web is fairly, is the same regardless of the approach you take on these apps because you're just jumping between um, different use flows. But on mobile, we just found that our users were really asking for, um, we're really asking for very direct access. And another, another point there is um, that really, that we mentioned earlier is really that it also allows for partners. If, if you go with a partner for one of those core areas, that's also an easy thing to, to swap in without having to, to reconfigure one giant app. So the modular approach has some benefits like you've described, but it has this big disadvantage that I'm seeing all these headlines that Google Hangouts is going away and people are freaking out because they use Google Hangouts. And so, so I think of that like, you know, if I compare that to say something like Consumer Skype, which today is a very different app than it was 10 years ago, but they've kept that name and nobody ever freaked out that Skype went away. It just kind of evolved. You, you seem to be going for a much more, a, mu- a much bigger approach where, you know, customers are going to have to, particularly administrators, are going to have to disable one service and add a new service. It's not going to be as smooth as a transition, or is it? Now, help me understand the way you're approaching that. Yeah, and, you know, I think that um, there's been a lot of confusion in this, and, uh, and it is important um, to clarify. So I, I do think one of the things that we tried to do is really to keep that Hangouts name to make it clear that this was really a step you know, step forward, not something where one was ending and, and we were starting over again. Obviously, we have a history. And in this case, it really is just a new version. Um, so even your Skype example, you know, you still had this transition to, you know, new infrastructure. And that's really what we're looking at here is, you know, we had this consumer app grow up. Um, and then, you know, as we added compliance and as we added all the key things that come with enterprise, we really needed the next version to be you know, built from the ground up with that in mind. And so, you know, the transition should be very straightforward. I think it gets complex when you get into things like Vault, uh, which is, you know, what people use uh, Vault for um, legal holds and, and retention. 
Um, and it's a, you know, Vault's an advanced product and there's a lot of deep requirements there. So we do, you know, we do need our customers to move their Vault rules into more, you know, areas dedicated just to managing messaging. Um, and that's in response to a lot of uh, our admins asking for more control there. And so it's, it's um, there are some pieces that really need to be very deliberate um, in that migration, but for, you know, your average G Suite domain, this really should be something that's, uh, that's um, seamless. And, and the actual user experience will still be as if it's one app. If I'm in a Hangouts chat and somebody sends me a, a meeting request, I don't switch apps to go to meet. I, I basically just click on the request. Is that, is that the right? Idea? Right. It really should. The, the, the workflows themselves should not change. Um, what really it should feel like is an upgrade, right? So um, uh, re- things like reactions have been added. Um, rooms have a much more prominent or well, channels. We call them rooms have a much more prominent place in the UI um, because they've become so important to teams. So it really should feel like a, a, a step forward, um, not something that is a, a drastically different experience. Okay, and then and so and so Hangouts Classic will go away. It's going to be replaced primarily with Hangouts Meet, yep. which is the meeting and video conferencing solution, and it's going to be replaced with Hangouts Chat, which, as far as I know, I haven't used Hangouts Chat. Uh, it's kind of like a Slack-like uh, uh, workstream communications team chat application and and so those two will will split hangouts classic will split into those two and then a third option uh which isn't in hangouts today is google voice which is a ucas offer and so the yes yes and and all three of these will be available on the uh, g suite as well as the consumer side or how how explain that one correct so really the um so right now voice is available to consumers um actually not to enterprises um, and so we, we, we added that capability that's in, um, that's in beta right now. And we can talk in more detail there um, in a bit. But I think that then when you look at meet and chat, which right now we, we started in enterprise, they will be um, opened up to consumers. Really, in the end, you can think of it as the Hangouts Classic right now will move to Hangouts Chat. The meetings um, functionality in Classic really was a invisible direct. You didn't really, there was no meeting interface within classic hangouts. So really it's just adding a new dedicated um, meeting interface um, through meet. Um, but really the experience is just an upgrade to chat. So Google voice is available in consumer first. I think you're in trials right now on beta right now. Uh, yep. In beta right now. And then, and then chat is available in business only right now. Is it, and is it going to go to consumer and it will move to consumer? Yep. And then, and then Meet is available in business or G Suite only, and it will go to consumer too. Exactly. Uh, and, and, then, and then at that time, I mean, I, I think there's already a deadline. I, I, I forget what it is, October or something like that, when Hangouts Classic will go away. But, uh, but the intent is that these new apps will be there before, before Hangouts Classic goes away. Yes. And I think that, you know, we've set these deadlines um, as goals. I think really in the end at a top level, we're interested in making a smooth transition, you know, to chat and meet. And we will, you know, do that as as necessary. We will change that date. Um, But really it's so it it should be a really seamless um, experience. I think in the end, we're going to start with enterprise, move them over first, and then we'll move to consumer, take what we learned in that move and, and apply that to consumer. Um, which is obviously uh, a, a much broader user base at that point, um, and so that I think that'll be uh, that'll be nice uh, to follow. 
we could we could we could all do hangouts meet now uh, in the in the G Suite yeah. world, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and hangouts chat is currently available or not available? Hangouts chat is currently available to to G Suite um, customers. And, and is hangouts chat intended to be? Um, a simple chat app, or is it intended to be more of a, uh, a connector to all your workflow, like like a Slack type of app? It's really about team messaging, so so you know more toward this the Slack side. Um, this this is fairly common for us, where you know you look at something like you know our Docs editors with Docs sheets slides. You know these aren't consumer applications; um, they're really productivity applications. So that's what we're building with um, with chat and meet is it's really about productivity and whether you're um, doing this at home with a club or a PTA or you're, you know, at work, um, we see a lot of the same flows. Um, and so we will continue in that same fashion um, with all of our apps. Is, is the goal with the separate meet and chat or specifically with meet um, to be as good as or better or different than current hangouts uh, is there, uh, you made a comment about, you know, matching the functionality. Uh, is, is there anything that we could look forward to in new features and functionality? I think that if you look at, let's, if we look at chat, there are already key differentiators. I mentioned reactions earlier. Um, we've retooled search itself. And so that uh, is now instant and in interface. Um, so you don't have to go through the Gmail interface to do that. Um, there's a number of um, improvements in the, in, the uh, room behavior. Um, we added a platform to rooms for integrations um, as well as packaged integrations. And I think that that's, uh, so that's a big step for messaging. Um, on the meet side, um, really we could, uh, we could spend the next uh, couple hours talking about uh, the upgrades there from quality um, all the way through to, you know, platform support and uh, meeting rooms and the Jamboard. And this is all sort of a meeting ecosystem that we've been working on for a long time. And so it's a big step for from moving from classic to meet uh, in terms of what's, you know, what, what's possible. Are these all going to be web-based apps or are they going to be actual applications you install on the desktop? These are web-based apps. Um, they're obviously Android and iOS as well. Um, and so they're native on mobile, but web apps on, uh, on Chromebooks and, and others. Scott, one of my favorite products is is uh, is Google Fi, and uh, it's getting a lot of buzz lately. Is is that a separate silo within Google, or do you have plans to integrate Google Fi into the whole ecosystem? You know, we don't uh, have specific plans that we're ready to talk about. I think it's not. Um, we are all you know, we're all one team, especially when it comes to telephony, um, and that's that's a key key part. Um, Fi actually uses a lot of voice. Um, itself, um, voice infrastructure, Google voice infrastructure. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, you've seen us take um, consumer facing products and move them into enterprise. And I think that's a, that's a logical thing to do. Just no, no timelines right now. So let's get into Google voice for a little bit here, because that's the, the new one. And that was, and I have to say, Google voice really surprised me. You announced it back in, in over the summer. I think it was at Google next when it was yep. announced. And it surprised me because uh, the one thing that if somebody asked me what the world doesn't need is a net new UCAS offer. So I, I had assumed that if Google was going to get into UCAS that you would do an acquisition. So help me understand the, the, uh, the rationale behind 
creating a brand new solution as opposed to an acquisition? You know, what's interesting is actually uh, we, you know, we did start with an acquisition, which was Grand Central. And that was, you know, 10 years ago. We spent, uh, we spent that time refining our telephony um, infrastructure and capabilities. And really, right now, you can see it baked into just about everything at Google, everything from, you know, ads to uh, Google Home, which allows for native, you know, telephone calls. And that's all, you know, from our, everything we've learned from building out uh, the, the telephony infrastructure for, for voice. And um, even down to, for example, you can dial out um, in Hangout meet, meetings rooms. That's Google Voice at the core. So what was interesting when, when we started this was really it turned out that um, we had the, the framework we needed. And, and also voice had just not um, come as far as I would have hoped, which is there still is no ubiquitous worldwide um, compliant telephony solution that's billed in a single place. Um, some of our customers still get DVDs FedEx to them um, with their call logs. And so it's interesting because really just that alone, I think, is a huge, would be a huge step forward for the telephony um, um, for that market because it just is still fragmented in a lot of different places and you're having to come up with solutions based on countries, things like that. So we really did start with an acquisition. Um, we used that to perfect you know, what we do. And then what we did was we took the voice consumer um, application added the key things that enterprises need from SLA to vault support. We talked about vault earlier for um, legal holds and, and um, retention. And we also then added PBX functionality for, um, for, you know, inbound calls. I think that we've got a ton of potential there when you've seen what we've been doing with duplex, um, the kinds of things that we can automate um, instead of forcing people to, you know, traverse phone trees and things like that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned duplex. I, I've got I've got a Pixel phone, and I have to say, the call screening feature is one of my favorite features. Uh, oh, I'm so glad. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, basically, if you get a call you're not that familiar with, don't recognize whatever you can you can hit call screen, and Google effectively uses its own bot voice technology to answer the call and listen to the answer as you get you know it's, why are you calling who are you and the res the caller's response appear in near real time on the phone and you can either accept or reject the call based on that you can even you can even this is the best part you can even fish for more details you can even say you know i want more details on this you know dave i was i was wondering why you were never answering me and now yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah mystery solved there uh, and, and so and i and i and I've, and I've commented this i wrote this in one of my one, one of my things i don't remember where I saw that. that that why isn't this feature on every ucas solution that's a great solution Every UCAS company is talking more about about voice bots. So, since you brought this up, uh, can you tell us if your UCAS offer will have anything like this built in? You know, I think um, too early to talk specifics. It, it is uh, it is where we're headed, um, and this is, you know, really you've got to we've got to walk before we run, um, and and we got to have that foundation in place. But um, I really I think that we're already in voice. Um, doing a, a really strong uh, job with, uh, with spam callers. Um, and you're seeing some of that uh, also in, within um, the Pixel phone itself. Um, so I think that that is an inevitable direction and um, uh, really where we, where we want to be. And so now that you're six months into this uh, journey, or actually more than six months, you announced, it, you announced it back in June. Who knows when you started the journey, but you announced it back in June. And, and now that we're you know, uh, six, eight months into this journey, uh, since you've announced it. A has there been any uh, major revelations about UCAS 
that perhaps you didn't fully understand back then or, or is uh, everything pretty much going exactly as planned? Oh, I've, I've, I've never been on something where it goes as planned. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I found interesting um, is that, you know, here we've been calling this, you know, unified communications for a long time, um, and yet it hasn't include, included email. And so, and yet that's, you know, the most ubiquitous um, business communication tool out there. Um, so I think that really has us thinking hard about, you know, what does, what do all of, how do all of these tie into email? Um, and what is that, what is, how do you want to work efficiently between those mediums? Um, and so I think that's a, a really interesting area that um, we'll be exploring. And let me, let me guess, I'm, I'm guessing there's an AI application in there somewhere. <laughs> Well, I don't know. AI? No, no. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, uh, there's a couple of ways to think about that. One is a, a lot of what we've done in Gmail is broadly applicable to, um, to messaging as well. So you saw us bring, uh, you know, smart reply, um, which was in Gmail first um, to chat. Um, Gmail has smart compose, which uh, has, has been um, a, a wonderful feature, um, widely embraced. Um, but also just, you know, it, as, as uh, companies really embrace these mediums, they're, some are better at, at they're, they're better at different things. Um, and I think that, uh, that that is something that, that needs to be solved. Even simple things like moving from an email to a chat and then to, you know, a high bandwidth voice conversation like this, you know, that flow needs to be seamless um, in order for people to, to be able to get work done efficiently. You know, the, the smart reply on, on messaging is really clever. You mentioned the smart compose and I, and I do enjoy that feature as well. Are you gonna have anything in UCAS like a, a smart dictate, dictation or something where you, get comp, where you get asked on the telephone a common question and it'll, it'll go ahead and proactively respond for me? Is that, is that in the works? <laughs> I, th I think that there's, there's so many possibilities here in terms of you know, anticipating what you want. Um, Obviously, as you get into voice, um, that gets tricky in terms of emulating people's voices and everything around that. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that's exactly what we're trying to do is make you more efficient, do things in fewer steps. Um, and so I think that, that that definitely makes sense. Whether it's exactly surfaces like that or not is, is a great question. And is Google Voice also clientless on the desktop? It is, yeah. So Google Voice is in the browser, voice.google.com. Uh, also has apps in Android and iOS. Now, who who is the target customer for Google Voice? Is it is it small business, medium business, large business? You know, it's, it's it really runs the the full range. You know, we saw when we announced um, the beta, we had quotes from Nielsen, who's using it uh, heavily as part of our beta program. And that you know, really, when you look at the amount of money that uh, companies are spending on on-prem telephony, um, really just getting you know workers out of the, the local hardware and into the cloud is just a huge cost savings. And so I think that when you look at something with voice where, you know, in one click, you can provision an entire office with phone numbers or using a Google sheet, um, you can um, add it to voice and we'll port all those phone numbers automatically. You know, these are huge time savers. We see it in business. And in fact, um, there's even a, an area of Google cloud that's focused on um, call center AI so really, you know, the complexity you can you can as you get more complex and get into something as um, as complicated as a call center, you, you, we have the tools for that. So 
Um, and then you go down to a small business where, you know, a couple of clicks, you have a phone number, you know, we don't um, require you, for example, to, to record IVR prompts, you just type them in and, and we uh, do the voice for you. So these are all things that make a, running a small business very easy. Um, and so it really does run the full full range. There. Scott, here's my here's my challenge to you. I'm, I'm at the HIMSS yeah. uh, event, a big healthcare IT conference, actually the biggest one in the world. Mm. And I'm sure lots of your yep. colleagues are here. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to ask yeah. you to launch a moonshot to ditch the fax machine in, in hospitals and doctor's offices. So could you please go to Sergei and, um, yeah. and request $100 million to figure out how we can put a bullet into fax machines uh, once and for all, delete from our collective uh, memory. I've, I heard a funny anecdote uh, the other day that they're having to put um, new doctors through fax machine training because they've never encountered one before. Um, but I'm with you on that, that it's got to go. Um, and I think a lot of the electronic, um, you know, healthcare electronic initiatives, um, things like cloud, which are um, HIPAA ready, um, G Suite, HIPAA ready. So I think those are big, um, big steps, but we still, like you, like you know, have a long way to go. And I noticed you're a cancer survivor, which is wonderful. Uh, I trust you're doing well. So you, you uh, obviously personally navigated the, the healthcare experience as a patient. I, I imagine you have lots of thoughts on uh, technology that can be applied in the health IT space to really make our lives better as patients, doctors, caregivers, and, and others. No question. And it, it really did. Uh, it was particularly notable carrying, um, you know, paper between doctors as you got second opinions and went through treatment. Um, and, you, you know, we ended up, we have boxes of, uh, of this uh, information. Um, I think that that's, that's a huge step. And it's, it's a heavy, it's a vertical that's very important to us in cloud. Um, and uh, both, both as a, as an industry, but also um, personally, as you know. And, and does your role, uh, is your role as a product manager difficult that you have so many internal users on your platforms? Or are you, are you constantly getting, you know, nudged at the, at the cafeteria about why don't you add this to the Jamboard or, or something along these lines? We have, um, part of the Google culture is a very strong opinion about everything. Um, and I do get to hear about that all the time. Um, and that, you know, that's the, the dog food culture, which started, you know, right, maybe a, Actually, the month that I started um, back in 06 was when we, we cut over to Gmail internally. Um, and that really fundamentally changed how we were able to develop because we can push things out. You know, um, it's kind of part of being a Googler is that you will tolerate um, being, you know, getting the latest and the latest is often wrong. <laughs> and so I think that that, especially as we, as we grow, you know, we're getting a cross section. This is not an engineering um, dominated culture anymore, right? It really is a mix of all sorts of roles. Um, and so we get feedback from all sides. And that's just a huge deal for us because it, it gets early, um, early feedback. And then I can go and I can, you know, I can spend two hours with a user, right? Which is just not something that's possible um, on the outside. So that's, I, I found that to be, um, to be really great as a product manager. Um, obviously, sometimes I get yelled at, but it's, you know, that's part of it. How often do you use a Jamboard? You know, I have one in my home office. Um, I'm in uh, my work office where I'm usually in meeting rooms. Um, I use them every day. Um, now, to be one thing that's important to understand is that, you know, the Jamboard itself, you know, is a great device, but we're not, 
limited to the board, right? The board is just one view into um, G Suite. You know, uh, Jam itself is accessible through Chromebooks, through um, Android, iOS, um, phones, and so tablets, iPads. And so what's great is it really does bring, it brings the whiteboard into the conference room, whether you have a board or not. I, I didn't realize the Jamboard worked on, so does it work on any um, touchscreen device or just a Chromebook or? or? No, uh, so, so yeah, it's the, you know, iPad, Chromebook Touch. Um, it, uh, it'll, it's, it works on the web, so in a web browser. So that would mean any touch enabled um, uh, browser based device. But I think it's important to understand that really what it does is it, it opens it up for everybody. That's one of the things that just didn't translate into the virtual meetings is the whiteboard. And I think that's a big loss. It's unstructured thinking is just, that's what drawing is about. Um, and I think it takes an element out of a meeting that we're really trying to add back. Do you happen to have an opinion on, on bourbon? <laughs> I, I have very strong opinions on bourbon. Um, I'm uh, a bourbon, uh, uh, yes, I have quite a few. Tell me, uh, are, are you also a bourbon fan? I don't think I could tell on a blind taste test the difference between a bourbon and, and a whiskey. Can you? Most cannot. So here's what I'll tell you is, is I, I believe I could, but I've, I've never really tried because I don't want to know the answer. Okay. <laughs> I think one of the amazing things is really, if you think it's better, it's better. And it's really, I feel like a, um, a lot of people really get into things and then they become like snobbish about it. And for me, it's about, you know, the entire, the whole span and spectrum of, you know, whether it's uh, an Elijah Craig, which, you know, entry level Elijah Craig or an impossible to get Pappy Van Winkle, you know, that whole range is interesting. Yeah. To me. How about we change uh, uh, Android code names to uh, bourbons and whiskeys? I think that would be a great uh, change from uh, sweet goods or, you know, sweet. I agree. We're going to run out of desserts eventually. I know. Right. 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 Exactly. If I were in charge. You I'll talk to Hiroshi, though. You, you know, I, I, I like that comment about becoming snobbish. I'm, I'm much more efficient. I become snobbish before I become an expert on, a, on something. But um, <laughs> uh, the, I, I learned to drink whiskey in Scotland. And in Scotland, one of the things that they do when they serve the whiskey in a, in a pub is they serve a, a water separately. And then you kind of dilute your whiskey a little bit to your, to your liking. And, yeah. and then I went south down to London and that is just so frowned upon, you know, uh, uh, you don't, you don't dilute your whiskey. That's the wrong thing to do. The proper thing to do is to order it with ice and wait for it to melt. It's the same thing, but, but very different ways of doing it. Is, is the proper way to drink bourbon uh, with a little bit of water or ice, or you just drink it is the proper way straight. Is there, is there a proper way? You know, I don't, I, this is, a, it's a hugely uh, debated topic. Um, in fact, some, some uh, bartenders will not serve the high-end whiskey like uh, Pappy Van Winkle with ice, which I find wonderfully ironic because actually Pappy himself every night would have his, his, his bourbon on the rocks on the porch. So, you know, I really, I think, I think of bourbon, it's an American, um, you know, drink and you should drink it however you want. Um, the thing that's interesting that's happened to bourbon is more and more it's, it's moved towards barrel proof which means um, it's not at the typical 86, but what it is right out of the barrel, um, which is more 100 plus, which gets to the point where it's, I mean, it's burning your mouth and really it needs to be watered down, whether that's water or, um, or ice. You know, I think the interesting thing about Scottish um, whiskey is that ice seems to do, change the flavor in a way um, that is considered 
not great, where bourbon really does uh, maintain itself uh, with ice. So Interesting. Evan, do you have a preference between uh, bourbon or whi and whiskey? Um, frankly, I, I drink anything that has uh, above a 25% alcohol content. So I'm, uh, <laughs> Whatever's on sale that has high alcohol. Exactly. It's, it's, kind, of the, it's kind of the hobo approach to, uh, to shopping. So it's, it works out well. All right. Well, we like to, we like to wrap up these podcasts with uh, the, a similar question, which is uh, to all of our guests, and, I, and perhaps you've already been prepared, maybe not. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the question is that what is, what is your next big spin going to be? You're saving up a bunch of money for something. Uh, is it, wh what is that next spin going to be? The, the big one, the, the big one. And are, are we talking personally? Yes, yes, personally. Um, I am hoping, and I don't know what big is for different people, but um, I, uh, my, my boys and, and I are a big um, 3D printers, um, makers, so we spend a lot of time making and breaking things, often breaking them, um, which uh, is a point of contention, and not fixing them. But um, I, I would really like to get a laser cutter, um, because it kind of gives you the, in, the inversion of 3D printing, where you take a solid material and you create something out of it. And so I'm excited to, you know, add that to our to our maker space, uh, uh, that's probably too formal to call it a maker space, my mm -hmm. office. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that like the fundamentals of really most, you know, disciplines, um, particularly coding, are really problem solving and problem solving comes from making things, it's puzzles. And so that's just something that's important to me to expose the children to. Um, and so I, I want them solving those kinds of problems. Um, and then, you know, I think we do do a lot of debating about, uh, about the products. Um, I, we print out uh, different ways to hold cameras. Um, you know, my boys spend more time on the Jamboard, I think, than me. Um, and, you know, it's, we, you know, redesigned the stand so it went up and down because my six-year-old can't reach it. So, so, you know, I think that those are the kinds of things that are important that uh, people, kids are solving early. With that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this podcast up. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I wish you the best of luck with your initiatives on uh, on communications in G Suite. And, uh, and I'm going to check out that Jam app. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing with that. Perfect. Always great to talk to you, Dave. See ya. You want some information, some kind of conversation. Why?